This is Carl the Jackal Frampton. Hi, this is David Healy. Hello, this is Stephen Ferris. Hi, I'm Bethany Ferris. Hi, this is Joey Barton. I'm Jonathan Gutierrez. Hi, this is Harry Kewell. And you're, you're listening, listening to The Score. score. The Score with Michael Clark. Hello and welcome along to The Score. We are live on Lisburn's 98 FM and Bangor FM. It's Irish Cup final day. Or is it? Yes, so much has been said since the semi-finals about what might happen. Crusaders have lodged a protest with the Irish Football Association. Where has that got us to at the moment? We'll be talking about that on the programme today with sports journalist Mark McIntosh. As things stand, the final goes ahead. It's Larne against Linfield. We'll be recapping those semi-final matches as well. And if you want to let us know how you feel about what you've seen this week in Irish League football, you can do. It is The Score and I on social media, Facebook, Twitter, the places to find us. And coming up on the show, we'll be hearing from Larn boss Tiernan Lynch, Linfield captain Jimmy McGrew, and outside of all of these talking points, Portadown have one of their own. They have a new link-up with a Premier League club, Burnley have joined forces with four clubs from the British Isles. Portadown Football Club are one of those we'll be hearing from the COO of Burnley and Portadown boss Matthew Tipton a little later on here on The Score. The Score with Michael Clark. Welcome along, folks. It is good to be in your company. It's lovely to be live on a Friday afternoon and a warm welcome in uh, the studio to Mark McIntosh. How are you? I'm doing very well. It's nice to be doing it like this again. Uh, less of the virtual stuff. We're still socially distanced, everybody. Yes, Don't panic. absolutely. <laughs> I did that with you long before COVID, let's be honest. <laughs> very true. Look, there's plenty of people leaning into the radio today going, right, Mark, what on earth is happening? Because since Tuesday, I doubt either of us have had much rest, you in particular. Yeah, it's been mayhem. Um, I'm charging my phone sometimes four times a day this stage and since I've been in this room in the last 15 minutes Michael I've had players from both Linfield and Lauren texting me asking me if the cup final's on now to me that just sums up what a sorry state of affairs we're in this should be the biggest day of the year for most of these players a lot of players never played in an Irish cup final before might never do again and here we are a few hours before kickoff and they don't even know if they're playing in, in the final if it's going to go ahead it, it, it's just been crazy you know Crusaders have obviously lodged the protest as you said the Irish FA are currently deliberating um, about that. The Irish FA's Challenge Cup Committee are talking about it now. They have been since 10 o'clock this morning. and There's no white smoke yet, so we don't know whether we have a cup final or not. Um, but I have to say, as much as I feel sorry for Lauren, and I really do, because they will rightly say that they won their semi-final penalty shootout fair and square, um, Crusaders have a point, a point in the laws of the game, and um, someone has to answer about that. So let's try and break it down because it is very complicated and there's there's lots of reasons why this is a massive, massive headache for the Irish Football Association today and we've time to discuss it on this programme, but the laws of the game, right? The, the, the very first thing that confused people before we even get to why Crusaders are protesting was the penalty shootout itself. Mm-hmm. 
how did that feel watching that? Because I'll be honest, as a commentator, that was pretty stressful. <laughs> yeah, I, I've only ever seen something similar once in an underage game of the Republic of Ireland. Um, even then, though, of course, it wasn't exactly the same. Um, so to watch a goalkeeper save three penalties, have all of them having to be retaken, and for him then to be booked and subsequently sent off for it, at the time, it felt like a massive injustice. Now, since then, I think we can all agree that Johnny Tuffy was off his line every time. Therefore, the referee and his assistant got 100% right. Um, that didn't help Crusader's mood on the day, um, which was totally understandable. But for the avoidance of any doubt, Crusader's protest of the Irish FA has nothing to do with Johnny Tuffy. Not a thing. It's about an entirely different law of the game. Let me play devil's advocate. Do Crusaders protest if, the first instance, Johnny Tuffy isn't sent off? Um, possibly not, because um, there's a lot of talk, probably within the corridors of power at the Irish FA, about the spirit of the law. Now, Crusaders will rightly say the spirit of the law wasn't used when it came to Johnny Tuffy. It was the letter of the law, which is correct. So you can't then pick and choose when you apply the laws of the game, and that's Crusaders' point. So... If Johnny Tuffy stays on the pitch, do Crusaders kick up a stink? Probably not. Are they wrong to kick up a stink? Definitely not. And where it's even complicated within the laws, and we've spoken about this offer already, is you know the, the one thing we can say definitively is that when you have a player sent off, the other team has to exclude a player. That is 100% enshrined in the rules. There's no argument about that. The grey area, some people might argue, is it doesn't say when you have to exclude them. No, um, but I think you could argue that point for most of the laws of the game that you know you can pick holes in everything because it's the written word. That's how it works. Um, I think it's very clear. The the only thing I'll say that the officials know that it's clear because they make sure that Albert Watson comes off from the Larn side at the start of the penalties or just before the start of the penalties. So that penalty shoot I couldn't have started if Larn hadn't excluded one of their players. Therefore. The officials have to know that Lauren have to take another one off as soon as Johnny Tuffy gets sent off. Now, they did eventually bring Graham Kelly off, but the TV pictures clearly show that Graham Kelly is standing in the lineup with his teammates after Josh Robinson scores at the third attempt. Therefore, the laws of the game have not been followed through. Now, once it's caught on, the referee should bring that back and it should start with Josh Robinson hitting that penalty for a fourth time. As mental as that would be. That's what should have happened. So it's a clear breach of the laws of the game. And you can argue, does it have any outcome or any impact on the outcome of the game? No, it doesn't. It absolutely doesn't. But you can't pick and choose. And that's Crusader's argument. And they, that's, they have that's several arguments, by the way. They have several arguments, but that's, that's the main one. Yeah, because their statement talks about multiple separate breaches. Yes, and I mean, I can allude to some of that. If we look at the final penalty, um, Gary Thompson smashes the crossbar. Um, the laws of the game, I think it's law 14. Um, it, it talks about that. And basically, because the, the penalty kick wasn't saved, the rule used to be that you didn't retake the penalty. Now, they added a line to that last year that said, unless the penalty taker is clearly impacted by the goalkeeper. Now, you can't get inside someone's mind. I, I don't know what's in Gary Thompson's mind, so I don't know if he was impacted or not. But the simple fact is, when the goalkeeper's closer to the penalty spot, the target's smaller. Therefore, of course he's impeded. Well, if you miss the penalty, you're going to say, well, I was put off because he's moved towards me, aren't you? Exactly. You know, And the simple fact is, the target's smaller. That's just 
you know, no one can dispute that. Now, whether Gary Thompson was actually impeded or not, we'll never know. You know, only Gary knows that. Um, and the fact that Connor Mitchell was off his line for that one. But the laws are so crazy that if Gary Thompson had walked up and rolled that ball into Connor Mitchell's hands, it's retaken. But he smashes the crossbar and it's not. There's so many things within the laws of the game that people are now only coming to terms with and Law 10 and Law 14 are the ones that people are looking at because it's about you know how to conclude a football match and how a penalty should be taken and obviously both pertinent in an Irish Cup semi-final which went to a penalty shootout. But the, the laws themselves are, you know, there's plenty to be asked about. Why do you actually need to exclude a player? Now, I mean, this is immaterial to the debate that, that is happening today. But, you know, in a wider sense for IFAB who come up with the rules, why do you need to exclude a player when the other team has a, a man sent off? Because you don't do it in 90 minutes. Yeah, I mean, I generally don't understand the reason for that. Because, you know, some people say, well, it just means that the team with more players can have more outfield players hit a penalty before a goalkeeper does. Well, I think that's fair enough. You know, the team that's had one sent off, that's their tough luck. You know, surely there should be some benefit to the team that has not one sent off. But, you know, there's lots of laws of the game. We certainly know from this season and last season, there's plenty of laws of the game that we would love to change. It is just one of the laws of the game. It has been for a long time, as far as I know. So we better get on with that one. I have a lot of sympathy for supporters who have been completely confused, especially during the penalties. It's obviously very emotional if your team are exiting in that fashion and you don't understand what exactly is going on, um, as best as I tried to maybe explain it. But you have all that happening I, I don't think the current rules are fair on goalkeepers they are there I think the referee in terms of the context of was Johnny Tuffy off his line if you're being completely to the letter of the law the referee got all three of those right or his assistant official to be more exact about it got all three of those right do I think that that rule is particularly fair on goalkeepers that they have to practically be nailed to their goal line I actually don't the rule's ridiculous it's absolutely ridiculous any goalkeeper if we now say that goalkeepers aren't allowed to stand behind the line, as is the case, and Johnny Tuffy was behind his line for that third penalty, mm-hmm. um, if they're not allowed behind the line, they can't move from their line, they can't move across their line, then every penalty from now on if it hits a target really should go in because a goalkeeper can't do anything. You know, it's crazy. It has to be looked at. Um, it weighs everything on the penalty taker's favour. And okay, we want to be entertained, but goalkeepers have to have a chance chance of saving a penalty. Otherwise, there's no excitement in the penalty shootout ever again. And when to the end if everyone scores? (laughs) I know. Uh, That is it. And the thing is, that law was changed in the last year as well, because previously, if a goalkeeper had been yellow-carded, perhaps for time-wasting, for sake of argument, during a match, the yellow card would have carried into the shootout. And in theory, you get sent off a bit quicker if that's going to go to that level. They thought, well, look, there's no chance a goalkeeper will be warned and then booked, and then booked again. So we don't need to worry about that. We'll, we'll just wipe the you know the, the slates clean for yellow cards in a penalty shootout. That will level the playing field. And now we've arrived at this. And, you know, it'll be a nice pub quiz question one day, but there's nothing nice about it now if you're Crusaders, Linfield or Lauren, because you don't know for definite this final's going ahead. And what about a thousand spectators that are waiting to get into a game, having done COVID tests. Yeah, I mean, that's the craziest thing. You know, Lauren were having out COVID tests yesterday and, you know, even the night before, I believe. And, you know, fans were getting their tickets emailed to them. And meanwhile, in the background, none of us know if Lauren are in the final still. You know, and and let's talk about, you know, where it could have gone to. There was a possibility tonight that Lauren and Crusaders would have been back at Mornview Park to pick up the penalties from Josh Robinson's third one onwards. 
And people will instantly go, oh, no, you can't do that. That's just a nonsense. You and I both know, Michael. I think we were possibly even both there. There's precedence for it um, with England's under-19s uh, six years ago um, against Norway, I believe, wasn't it? Um, a penalty was taken during the game. There was encroachment. The referee, for whatever reason, in her wisdom, gives an indirect free kick instead of retaking the penalty. The final whistle then goes and everyone comes back the next night fully kitted out just for Leah Williamson to hit one penalty which she then subsequently scored. The full-time whistle goes and England win. Um, so there is a precedent for things like that happening. Um, and the IFA will have to be very clever how they get themselves out of this mess because it is their official. He hasn't applied the laws of the game and their biggest problem is the head of refereeing at the Irish FA was very quick to release a statement on Tuesday night after the controversy of the penalty shootout and admittedly we have to say that during that penalty shootout we were all talking about the fact that Johnny Tuffy was sent off and that's why Trevor Moutry, the head of refereeing, released a statement. The problem is, in that statement, some of the things he's now said have come back to bite them and if I read the last line or the last paragraph, he says, throughout the penalty kicks, the match officials accurately and correctly applied the laws of the game. So I'll instantly say, no, they didn't. He also goes on to say, and they sought to proactively manage the penalty kicks in an effective way. So again, I have to say, no, they didn't, because they didn't pick up the fact that Lauren had too many players on the pitch. That's the Irish FA's own head of refereeing. That's his words. Where is he today? Now, there's a question. I, I asked for an interview yesterday. Um, unsurprisingly, he declined that offer. Uh, and I do understand that because it was an ongoing process. But I just made the point that he was very quick to talk about the laws of the game when he thought everything was sweet and rosy. Now it's clearly not. And shock horror, the Irish FA don't want to talk. This is incredibly complex. Just to try and simplify this as best as we can because Mark and I have been talking about this since Tuesday so I don't want to talk over anybody's heads because we've been trying to understand it ourselves but Crusaders the reason it's a protest is they have to put in a protest first if they're unsuccessful in getting what they want out of it that's the point of appeal so let's just fast forward into the future a little bit here you can't appeal something that hasn't happened yet you can't appeal something that hasn't happened yet thank you that's a better way of putting it if they don't get what they want here, mm-hmm. what happens if they appeal today? Right, so if the Irish FA reject the protest, Crusaders have the right to appeal. Um, it only costs 100 quid, so why wouldn't they? Um, so the Irish FA could then say, right, we will hear that appeal today, we will get the appeals committee on a Zoom call, and we will hear that this afternoon in time for the final. The problem with that is Crusaders can rightly say, they're allowed five days. So they could ask for those five days to put together their appeal. Therefore, you can't have an Irish Cup final tonight. Um, there's other avenues open to Crusaders. Um, they could go to the High Court and seek an injunction. Now, that would be very expensive. Um, so I don't see that happening at this stage, but it is an option. Or the alternative is, if the RCFA say, right, okay, there is something to answer here. Well, where do we go from there? How can you have a cup final if there is something to answer? One of the things that uh, somebody had said to me is, you know, could they conceivably replay the penalties before the final and the winning team from the shootout takes part in the final? I think because of COVID regulations, you couldn't. It's as simple as that. 
Um, and then what do you do about fans? Do you have... 500 supporters. 500 Lauren supporters that are to end the penalties and then they may stay if Lauren win, but if they don't, where are the Crusaders fans? They haven't been tested. It's just not feasible. There was some talk on Wednesday, Tuesday night, maybe Wednesday morning, that the penalties could have been restarted from Josh Robinson's um, tonight with the Irish Cup final then being played on Monday night. But the problem with that would have been we've got very important league games and including a league decider on Tuesday night. So that wasn't feasible either. And trying to reorganise fixtures at this stage is a nightmare. Players' contracts are coming to an end. Imagine the uh, rigmarole <laughs> you would end up in if a player who scored a winning goal in a cup final was out of contract at the time of scoring it. Listen, we've been there. You know, we've we've been there, um, and I don't think that will happen for the simple reason we've been there. And I think it was from memory, James Knowles had been possibly was he on loan at Cliftonville from Linfield, and because it was a loan deal, it finished at the end of the regular season. Therefore, he couldn't play. I can't remember. It was a cup final, or was it a, a playoff final, or something like that. Um, so that that's all going to play into this, this sort of thing, and which is why the Irish FA will want this tidied up as soon as possible the, the one thing I have to talk about though Michael a lot of people are hammering crusaders here and I mean I'll be honest none of this sits comfortably with me and I'm sure you're the same but they have a point and put yourself if you're Linfield if you're Cliftonville if you're the Glens if you're Warren Point whoever if this is your club and you've been wronged you stick up for yourself don't you because who else is going to do it and if you're Lauren, you're also going to feel really aggrieved because this isn't of your doing either. No, it's not. Now, what I will say, of course, Lauren should have known that they had to take a player off. And it's easy not to know every law of the game. None of us do, including referees, I would certainly say. But the fact that they did it five minutes earlier, it should have been in their heads. Now, with the commotion of Johnny Tuffy being sent off and all of the madness that went on around that, I can understand how... There's a problem there. But I wouldn't necessarily be blaming Lauren, but they're not blameless either. It's so it's so complicated. And do we really want to take football into a territory where we are this pernickety? And uh, I'm not saying Crusaders are doing anything wrong because if they feel that strict implementation of the rules got them kicked out of the cup and there's other rules that weren't strictly followed and that could get them back in the cup... There's an argument there, and that's obviously the one that they're making, and, and we're going to see what the IFA make of it, because that conversation, we have to assume, is still ongoing, because we've been phoning people and not getting very much back in way of return, and there are probably people in the IFA unhappy that we're talking about this on the radio today. Dry them, because, you know, what They should have do? been talking about this a lot earlier than they were. Yeah. That, that's the issue I have with this. They will say, well, there's no point us talking about it until we receive a protest from Crusaders. Well, with all due respect, if I know on Tuesday night the Crusaders have a a protest coming, they should know. And I know for a fact that a senior figure within the Irish FA did know very soon on, on Wednesday that there was going to be an issue here. The team that are getting spoken about least, and I feel sorry for them as well, is Linfield. Linfield are in the final of the Irish Cup. Their supporters cannot wait to go and see them in this final. They have not been involved in any controversy. They don't know they don't know for definite who they're playing, although they suspect it's Lauren, and that's what we're being told at the moment. And they don't know for definite that it's happening tonight, although that's what we're being told at the moment. Yeah, I mean, Linfield are just preparing to face Lauren at Mornview Park tonight. That, that's Nothing's changed for them. 
other than the fact of, yes, they will focus on the game, they'll focus on the job in hand, but they're humans. Of course they're thinking about it. You know, I've just said to you, I've had two players now text me since I've been in this studio asking me if I know if the Cup Final's on yet. So it's clearly in their minds. That that shouldn't be things that's going through their mind in the hours building up the Irish Cup Final. And that's what the farce of this is. Um, it'd be interesting to see, though, from now on, where Crusaders are in, in the eyes of the public because, you know, I've heard anecdotally that maybe some of their players are a little bit embarrassed by what's going on. Um, I've nothing to back that up, mind. Um, I know that a lot of other clubs are furious at what Crusaders are doing. But as much as it doesn't sit well with me, like I've said, they have a point and why shouldn't they fight their corner? Now, is it worth getting the Irish Cup final called off? Possibly not, because like I said, I don't think it had an impact on the game. But what you might find with maybe the other breaches the Crusaders are talking about, there is a possibility that the entire shootout, not just that one moment, but the entire shootout, um, maybe could be called into question, the integrity of it. I looked before doing this programme today at what was being said on social media. Now, that is only a sample of opinion. Obviously, we're not saying that this is conclusive or anything like that. But there were, I mean, it was a real mixture of sentiments being expressed by Crusaders fans. Some who were saying they were embarrassed by the club. They should just take it on the chin. They, they thought that the club was setting them up to basically be a target for other clubs to, you know, to laugh at and, and make fun of. And there was this sort of public trial or trial by social media that Crusaders fans thought that their club was losing very badly by all these actions. There was even, Mark, I have to say, your name got mentioned by some Crusaders fans who said, hold on, if that Mark McIntosh says we have a case, then maybe we do, because he doesn't always say for us. <laughs> yeah, I've been <laughs> I'll let you have that. a writer reply there. But... <laughs> I've been accused of that a few times. Um, th- that's what this boils down to. You know, you have to look at it and... You can't pick and choose when you apply the laws of the game. It's as simple as that for me. So were the laws of the game applied when it came to Johnny Tuffy? 100% they were. That's the right thing to do. You can't then... Well, take it a step further. Albert Watson went off the pitch at the start of the penalties. Therefore, the laws of the game were applied. You can't then decide five minutes later, oh, we won't bother with that this time. Football doesn't work like that. You can't do that. So I have every sympathy for Crusaders... I don't know necessarily it's worth this, but I've every sympathy with the crews. But one thing I will say, and a lot of people were tweeting me, and I'm sure you've seen the same things on your Twitter, um, fans saying, oh, we've had loads of decisions go against us, take your medicine, get on with it. The difference with those decisions, most of the time, we're talking about your team not getting a penalty or a last-minute penalty. That's a subjective decision by the referee, whether he thinks it's a penalty or not. It's his opinion. What Crusaders are talking about has nothing to do with opinion. It's black and white. You see, when you get into this territory, though, um, and, and maybe you know, maybe an official had they have made themselves available for comment could have corrected me if I'm wrong here, but I'll I'll, I'll put this out there anyway. So, Linfield's game at Shamrock Park when the ball was very much in the boundaries of yep. the pitch, and they had a goal disallowed for the ball being out of the pitch. Well, within the rules of the game, if the ball's within the boundaries, it can't be a goal kick. So, you know, could a club go and challenge that in future? Say, well, the laws of the game say that when the ball is in the pitch, it's in play. You, you said it was out of play. That's wrong. You've not applied the laws. Yeah, I, I think it leaves many things wide open. It absolutely does. Um, and you can argue straight away, where does this all end? Um, and that's why it's dangerous. But the starting point has to be, 
it's very dangerous not to apply the laws of the game. And whilst at the time it seemed to be an injustice, I have to, to say straight away, Stephen Bell and Shane Andrews were the, the two officials. You know, Shane Andrews was the referee. Stephen Bell was the the assistant on the line looking um, at the goalkeepers. And by whatever means, they got to the right decisions when it came to Johnny Tuffy sending off and those penalties. So you have to applaud them for that. But if we're going to applaud them for that, that doesn't mean they're blameless when it comes to something else. And again, officials love being praised. They've got a very thin skin when they're not praised. You know, and they can't have it every way. Um, look, is it a difficult thing to do, being a referee? Of course it is. I couldn't do it. No chance. You know, I salute them. And I think the guys in our league are honest guys. Um, I don't think they are as good as they think they are. Some more than others, I have to say. But I don't know any ones that go out to have a bad game, to go out to annoy a club. I've never met a referee who does that. You know, it's a very easy thing for fans and clubs to get their back up about. That simply doesn't happen. And not for one second do I think Shane Andrews or any of his assistants on Tuesday wanted to have the situation with Johnny Tuffy or the one we're talking about with the, the exclusion of the Lauren player. They don't want this. And in the heat of the moment, I take you back, you know, used an example there, I take you back to the Irish Cup final between Portadown and Glen Torn. The, the mayhem of that, when Portadown clearly should have had a free kick and Glen Torn should have had a player sent off. But in the aftermath of all of that, very few people realise that Elliot Morris picked up a back pass. He then rolls a ball out, Glen Torn go up the pitch and score the only goal of the final. So in the immediate aftermath of things, things get missed. You know, that's natural, that's human. That's people being human. Referees, despite what some people think, are definitely human beings. Um, so I do have sympathy for them. But at the same time, you can't take all the praise and then not take any of the flack. I'll be devil's advocate again then. To that extent, you know, mistakes happen in football matches. Should mistakes be left then or, or should they be picked up and, and challenged and protested? I think it depends what the mistake is. Because, like I said, if it's a subjective thing, if a referee doesn't think that a challenge is worthy of a penalty, well, I think you just have to take that that's what the referee saw at the time. We don't have VAR, so that's what we have to go with. But when it comes to a law of the game, that's not someone's opinion. It is a law of the game, whether we like it or not. You know, some of the laws of the game, I'm sure referees despise. Because referees get hammered constantly about applying the laws of the game. Now, if they don't apply the laws of the game, they then get hammered by their observer. So they're in a no-win situation sometimes. But at the same time, when they don't apply the letter of the law, it has to be called. Sounding like Ted Hastings here. Uh, I note that uh, during this programme, uh, in the last 20 minutes, the Irish Football Association on social media has put a post up saying the countdown to tonight's Irish Cup final is well and truly on and a graphic of Lauren and Linfield. It's interesting they can tweet that with confidence when they haven't reached an outcome yet well yeah and I I um, I told you before we come on our Michael I received an email from the Irish FA um, about maybe an hour ago now telling me that uh, Northern Ireland women were going to be playing Scotland women and I replied to that saying well that's all well and good but um, are Linfield playing Lauren tonight that's what I'm more interested in right now no answer we're going to hear from the Lauren boss Tiernan Lynch in a moment Lauren at a press conference yesterday both of us uh, we're there virtually for that one. Uh, we're also going to hear from the Linfield captain, Jamie Mulgrew. I was speaking to him earlier on as well. 
I do just want to say, you know, in terms of if this final is going ahead tonight at Mournview Park, um, you know, what an occasion this should be for Larn Football Club, having, you know, five times beaten finalists, 16 years since they were last in the final of the Irish Cup, now with a chance of doing a domestic cup double, because they're, they, they've set themselves up as the team to be shot at in many ways with everything that they're doing and, and what they're trying to model themselves on. And then you have Linfield, who haven't actually been in the Irish Cup final in a few years and always, of course, want to win as many trophies as possible. They thought they would be league champions by now. They're not. If there were any nerves, this would fairly settle them going into the Coleraine game and potentially the Cliftonville game, saying, right, we've already won something. Just calm it down here. We've two games. We need a point. You know, there's so much riding in this match and it just seems absolutely bonkers that at almost half past one on Friday of the final we don't know for definite I can't put my hand on my heart and tell you to drive to Lurgan no, listen I've changed my mind several times now about what I think is going to happen here um, the one thing I'll also say when I was talking about referees though Andrew Davies the referee tonight or for the final whenever that happens I feel sorry for him also Yeah. because are you telling me Andrew Davies is going to be busting to give a penalty at any stage in tonight's game there's going to be so much scrutiny now, referees will tell you they're already under massive scrutiny, um, and they certainly are more than they used to be. But I think it's put the officials tonight in a horrible position. Yeah, and potentially Jimmy Robinson as well for that second semi-final. Imagine how, and you know, Jimmy was the referee for that match. But imagine you were the referee for that match as you listened to this and you listened to us talk about it. Imagine you were the referee and you showing up, and that has just happened in the game before. I. I I can't imagine what would go through the referee's head. I mean, I, I actually I had written him a match report. Um, there was a handball claim against Jimmy Mulgrew during the semi-final, and I, I, I have written it um, in the following morning's paper that there's no way Jamie Robinson was going to give a penalty for that. You know, And Jamie will probably say if he was 100% sure it was a penalty, he would have given it. But given what had happened, I think it's perfectly understandable that it would have to be blatantly stonewall before any penalty was going to be given in that second semi-final. Right, let's uh, get some build-up to the match, and we'll start with Alarm Boss. The Score with Michael Clark. Yesterday, Tiernan Lynch spoke to members of the press virtually in a press conference looking forward to the cup final, and the first question asked of the Alarm manager was how much of a distraction has the controversy surrounding the final been to his team? My concentration and, and the concentration of everyone at Larne Football Club is the final tomorrow night. And our job right now is to concentrate totally and utterly on football. Um, and that's the only thing that, that, that we are talking about or are thinking about. In many ways, I guess it's like the rest of the season anyway. You just background noise doesn't matter to what you do. No, absolutely not. Um, we Our objective was going into Tuesday night was to and be involved in Friday night and that's that's all we're we're, we're concentrating on um as I say that other people want to talk that's completely up to themselves but um our job's football totally and utterly and what's it been like since the semi-final were you able to bring the boys back down to earth very quickly or did you allow them to have a little bit of fun no 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 you know me better than that Mark there's no fun that's um <laughs> They, they're actually, to be fair, we're very, very fortunate that they're a very professional bunch of players. Um, 
we came in on Wednesday morning and we got a recovery session done. Um, and then we got back on the pitch this morning and done our last bits and pieces before before tomorrow. So the message, very clear. Lauren are focused on one thing and that is playing the match. Then he was asked about winning the cup final potentially and what that would mean to him and his players. It would mean everything, to tell you the truth. Um, uh, there is no better feeling um, than, than, than we, we tasted a little bit of it at December, I think it was, with, with the County Antrim Shield. But unfortunately, at that time, we're right in the middle of lockdown. There was absolutely literally no supporters. Um, I don't even think that the town really got the buzz that, that it deserved. Um, and I just think for, for the people of Larne and the success that they've been starved of for so many years um, and, and people talk a lot about the journey over the last couple of years and what, what Kenny has done and what the team have done, but nobody really talks a huge amount about what the supporters have done and, 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 and what the community have done. And, and they played just as big a part of this as, as anybody. Um, they have on so many occasions over the last number of years, they've been our 12th man. Um, they get behind us in their numbers. They're, they enjoy watching the football that we try to play. They support us in the good times as well as the bad times. And we've had some bad times over the last couple of years. Um, and I think it's, it's, it's great credit to them and, and the, the opportunity to potentially bring some, some more success to the town would just mean everything to all of us. Having been to five cup finals and being on the losing end of those five cup finals, um, but it would it would be a phenomenal phenomenal occasion if it if it was if it was to happen. Um, Tiernan, just the other side of fans, Linfield supporters have you know come accustomed to winning things. Lauren fans have been accustomed to heartache. How do you manage, I guess, the nerves from the supporters creeping into the players who so desperately want to do it for them, as you've articulated? Yeah, and <laughs> I think that's that's one thing about about Lauren fans and, and I mean this with, with the utmost respect, but they they're very happy go lucky and getting to the final with the amount of people that have been in and out of the ground the last couple of days doing their tests and collecting tickets and everything went with it. Um you can just see the excitement in their faces and they're they're it's kind of like they're just so happy to be part of this day and um that the only downside as we've said, is probably that there's only 500 of them getting in the getting in the doors, and had it been a Windsor Park on a normal a normal season, I think you'd have probably had all of Larne. It would have been as that old saying goes, the best day to rob any house in Larne would have been Irish Cup final day. And unlike the County Antrim Shield with regulations, you know, getting easier in indoor hospitality settings, maybe this time the opportunity for a proper party if you get over the line. I have to be fair, and Mark McIntosh busts my chops about it a lot. But if 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 ever there was a group of players that deserved a party and to let their hair down and see a smile in my face, it's this group of players. Um, I I'm obviously very 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 fortunate to work with these boys every single day, and you'll just not get a bunch of players that will work as hard or be as dedicated or put as much time and effort. And we're we're not the easiest of taskmasters at at, at Larne, and we. We, we don't apologise for it, um, but they never complain. They work unbelievably hard. And that's my big thing coming in, coming out of tomorrow night. I just hope and pray that they can they can reap their rewards. And is that the message for the players, is to leave it all out there? This is your chance to, to make history? 
Yeah, and, and that's that's the one thing that um, they're very, very fortunate to be in a position to say that they can go down now as history makers in Lawrence Football Club um, to potentially be the first team to, to ever win an Irish Cup. And we don't want to put any any more pressure on their shoulders. The, the big thing for me is, as, as I said, if it will be, it will be. Um, they, they need to make sure that they enjoy every moment of it. Where we are in our journey, we hope. This is certainly not our last Irish Cup final. Um, where we want to be in the years to come is we, we want to be sitting at this top table, as I keep saying. We want to be involved in big occasions like this. Um, and, and hopefully that this is not going to be the last. And fingers crossed, no penalties. <laughs> fingers crossed, no penalties. They're going to have to get me a seat behind the dugout for tomorrow night. To, yes. <laughs> The Score with Michael Clark. Joining me now on the programme is Linfield captain Jamie Mulgrew. Looking forward to an Irish Cup final, no doubt, despite all the talk in the last couple of days. No controversy in Linfield's game, a 3-0 win against Balamini United. Jamie, good to talk to you. Yes, Michael, thank you very much. Thank you. And first of all, that game against Balamina, you knew it was going to be a tough match going into it, but I tell you what, you've fairly turned it on. To be honest with you, Michael, we um like obviously the disappointment that we faced on the Saturday, obviously with not um you know, winning the league and, and obviously facing a defeat um from Lauren. Um the the next big game was obviously the Tuesday night against Balamina and we knew we had to bounce back and obviously put on a show. because um, obviously we were deeply deeply annoyed and, and just with with probably the way we, 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 we performed and things, even though, yes, we had chances in the game on the Saturday that should have won the game. But, you know, with the high standard, standards that we set, we I don't think we reached the heights. And I certainly think that um, Tuesday night against Balamina, um, we did that. We we rectified things and, you know, put on a, a, a good um, performance and something that... Um, we are used to seeing from ourselves, to be honest with you, Michael. Um, we knew that we had it in ourselves and, and glad that we were able to bounce back and, and, and put on a show the way we did um, on Tuesday night. You definitely looked like a team possessed in many ways. Whoever was going to face you on Tuesday was probably going to come up against that sort of reaction, weren't they? Because it was it was palpable on Saturday, the disappointment there. You were hoping to clinch the title and then focus on the cup. And that unfortunately didn't happen for you. No, absolutely, Michael. And as I say, we all had extra motivation um, within ourselves. Um, not not to put things right, but just to, to put a marker down to ourselves. Um, and, and as I say, put on a performance, um, obviously for the supporters as well and, and for the club. And, and look, it was a massive match because obviously it was to get into a cup final. Um, and as I say, we... And again, we it was important that, that, that we did turn up with the right mindset and the attitude and, and the right performance um, because obviously Balamina have given us very, very difficult games all season whenever we played them. Um, and obviously they beat us more recently whenever we played them, uh, 3-1. So we knew how difficult it was going to be. And, and again, our focus then again was obviously to beat Balamina to get the final. And um, I thought obviously the, the, the way that that the boys performed. Um, I thought it was was a very, very good, um, complete performance, to be honest with you. Probably the only down 
the only disappointment was that we possibly didn't score more goals with the chances we created. Good to be back in the Irish Cup final as well after uh, a few years away from it. Yeah, Michael, absolutely. And as I say, look, they're obviously they're always special occasions. Um, obviously, look, it's going to be a bit different um, this time round um, with not having a, you know, obviously a, a large, large crowd, which I'm sure there would have been um, on normal circumstances. But I think it's good that obviously we are getting a number of fans back in and and obviously the feel good factor um, for for the two clubs for the supporters to to get an opportunity to come and, and, and watch a game, which I'm sure will be a good spectacle. Yeah, some difference. I think there was 12,500 in Windsor Park when you beat Coleraine in the 2017 showpiece and compare it to 1,000. But that 1,000, I imagine, are going to make some noise. Uh, having been starved of football for months to be in the ground, um, it'll be a special one at Morinview. No, definitely, Michael. And look, if there's a thousand fans there, obviously in Mournview, Mournview's a you know a fantastic stadium. It holds the the atmosphere well. So that thousand, I'm sure, will will sound a lot more than what there actually is in the ground. So again, it's something else for us as players to to look forward to. Um, again, obviously, it adds to to the excitement and um the spectacle uh, that it is. Um, and as I say, really, really looking forward to it. How difficult has it been to prepare for the game with all the talk of the other semi-final? I think, Michael, to be honest with you, it's it's important for us to focus on um, what we can control um, and what we are in control of, as I say. Um, and that is, you know, we prepare like we always do for, for matches. Um, and look, whatever happens, happens. But it's important that we are prepared and, and ready um, which you know we always are we always prepare in the, in the right manner and again come Friday night um, that will be no different um, obviously we're you know we, we're in Thursday night um, meet up Thursday night and, and obviously get you know a session under our belts and, and obviously as I say prepare for, for the final and um you know, we as I say, we can only control of, you know, of what's in, in our hands and, and and all those things. If it goes ahead as planned and it's Larn, um, does it make it a, a wee bit more of a grudge match again, given how, how Saturday went? Um, I don't really think so, Michael. Uh, you know, Larn are good side. They're on the up. They're they're obviously desperate to 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 win another trophy. Um, certainly. You know, with the way things have went for them, um, they they keep building every year, and I think now possibly comes a time where, you know, after the period of time they've had under their new owner, that now is the time where they feel that they should be, you know, challenging for the big honours. Um, but look, we're in a final. Um, we're desperate to to win it to obviously get the the trophy. Um, which we have won for a number of years now, and um, look, then we can then look ahead for for what's ready for what's ahead of us for the rest of the season, um, which is the the league as well. But you know, our main focus now is obviously Friday night um, against a really really good strong Lauren team that have caused us bothers over the years, and we know that um, we all have to perform and we all have to be on top of our game really to to come out winners.
it's no cliche they trot out in football about you know every game being a cup final but it kind of is now isn't it for Linfield because you've two away games in the league which are massive and you'll be hoping that when you play Korean at the showgrounds that'll be your your title clinching performance but you know if you slip up and are beaten there then it puts all the pressure on you for the match at Solitude no exactly Michael and, and, and that's the the exact way to the word it put it um yeah it's it's the crunch time of the season um but look it's the crunch time of the season but we're where we want to be we're where every team in this league would want to be um so i think we have to make the challenge head on be excited by it embrace it um because as i say every every team in our league would like to be in the position that we're in now and um as I say, we've worked incredibly hard um, as a group uh, to get into this position. And as I say, look at the start of the year, if someone had said this, that we'd be in this position now, would, would we take it? Absolutely. That was the Linfield captain, Jimmy Mulgrew, speaking to me a little earlier on, ahead of the final, which we still think is going ahead tonight, but we still haven't received confirmation. Uh, the IFA are saying on social media that it's happening, but... During the programme, we have had senior figures from both of the finalists contacting uh, Mark McIntosh, who's sitting opposite me, asking what on earth is going on. So that gives you an indication as to where that is. Uh, we'll talk about the Irish Cup final again shortly, but uh, I want to talk about Portadown and their link-up with Burnley. The Score with Michael Clark. On Thursday morning, four clubs were named as new strategic partners of Burnley Football Club. The Premier League outfit teaming up with Air United, Cove Ramblers, Clondudno and Portadown. So Matthew Tipton was asked, first of all in the press conference, how did this come about and how long has it been in the pipeline for? It's been something in the pipeline for, for a long time. I've known Matt Williams, who's the Chief Operating Officer here for... 20 plus years through my time at Oldham. Stayed in contact all the time. I've been in Northern Ireland when he was at Blackpool, Shrewsbury, and then since here. Just, we were just chatting and we were saying, you know, the way the world's going. Um, it's a smaller place, even though it's a big place, you know, and, and bringing links with different clubs would help both Burnley and ourselves. And it was just, for us, it was a no brainer being asked to come on board with them. Um, the benefits will be massive, not only through the football side of things, but the off field. Um, package that they're offering, you know, in terms of uh, shared resources, sports science, um, our youth coaches getting the opportunity to learn off their youth coaches, things like that are massive for us. And and obviously with myself going full-time over the last two or three weeks um, at the club, it'll only help us progress. You know, from my point of view, I want to drive the club forward to the, to the best that they can be, back to where the club was, you know, previously. Um, we had a tough three years in the championship, but we're out of it now. Um, we can see progress on the pitch, um, be it small steps this year. Um, but over the next potentially five years, obviously, with my deal, we, we want to really be pushing and, and moving the club into the top echelons of the Irish League again. Obviously, when they've seen we've got young lads, Dave McCullough came over last year. He's done well um, in his first year over here. George and, and Lee Bonus were over um, training with the under-23s a week ago. And they, they understand and they see that we've got many more young players coming through and playing first-team football at the ages of 15 and 16. And I think that's attraction to Burnley. During the press conference, Matthew Tipton was also asked if this partnership was an opportunity for clubs like Portadown 
to maybe gain some ground on the clubs with more financial clout in the Danske Bank Premiership. If you can't buy the biggest players or give them full-time contracts, is this another way to attract a higher calibre of player to the club? That's exactly what it is. Um, you know, we have to be clever in our thinking in terms of um, recruitment, number one, because we see the Irish League market, it's it's condensed as it is with 12 Premier League clubs and players, you know, really and truly moving amongst the same players, moving around, you know, three or four clubs um, in the position we're in. So we're looking outside of that. Um, that doesn't mean that Burnley are just going to stockpile us, um, you know, with players from them unknown, but we would hope to get one or two. But it's also a fact is other players come on Burnley's radar that might not be ready for Burnley, but they might need to come out and play real footballers, what we would class, you know, first team level football. Um, and if and if we can get sent one or two nuggets from that, it'll be brilliant. Um, they've also a partnership recently with AI Scout, which is, it looks fantastic, the programme. Um, it, it, it's a process where people can basically upload their own videos and Burnley are well in on that. And, and again, it might be a player that's not ready for Burnley Football Club, but they might need to go and play at a level that's, that's a good, strong level. And if we can get them players and they might be in with us for a year or two and then they move on to Burnley or, or elsewhere, you know, we, we really appreciate that, that partnership. And the final question asked was, will this make a big difference to Portadown's first team in the near future? I understand people that when they turn up on a Saturday, they only really care about what happens on a Saturday. Yeah. I understand that to get to, to the up here where we want to be, it, it's a long process. We can't just, you know, I don't think they're going to throw us Nick Pope on loan next year. But, yeah, um, but we have to build relationships so we can enable us to get up there. It doesn't just happen tomorrow. It, you know, we understand that this is a long-term relationship where we think it'll it'll work for both clubs, and with a bit of luck, obviously, we get a lot of success from it. The score with Michael Clark. Shortly after Matthew Tipton spoke, then it was the turn of the Chief Operating Officer of Burnley Football Club. That is Matt Williams, a man who knows Matthew Tipton very well indeed. And you'll find out a little bit about their friendship over the course of uh, the clips that we play you here. But the first thing that was asked of Matt was, what's in this for Burnley? And why did they decide now to come up with this partnership with four clubs from the British Isles? It's something that... um the chairman and the new board are keen to do is to, to expand our, our brand um, nationally and internationally. I think this is at the start of that. When, when, you, look at, when you look at Brexit and the, and the impact of Brexit and how that has an impact on, on our recruitment, um, it's important that we have partnerships and eyes and ears in, in other areas of the British Isles, which we've now got. Um, historically, we've not been particularly well represented with um, scouting staff in these countries and I think the relationship that I've got with Matthew Tipton at Porterdown has, has already reaped some rewards in terms of Dame McCulloch coming in as a as a, as a youngster uh, we had two players across from Porterdown last week training with the 23s um, as, a, as a bigger picture we've got the an under 16s tournament going on uh, at the weekend at the training ground with Hlandud uh, Noir and, and Porterdown with our own under 16 so that gets those eyes and gets our academy staff linking in with their academy staff to bring um, the relationship on the on the sort of younger player side uh, together. I think um, it's important that we, we put players out um, on loan and give them some life experience and some men's football. Now, the relationship with all these clubs, the, the fact that Cove play in a, in, a, 
in the glorified summer league really allows us to move players out for five six months of the season coming back in November train with us and then hit the ground running in in, in January uh, so that that's a benefit obviously air uh, is a is a is a good standard um, we know that and having a link up there by bringing some players so a player might go to Porter Down or two players might go to Porter Down for six months come back and we their, their next low might be to the Scottish Championship with yeah. Davy and everyone at Air have got aspirations to get up to the SPL and if we can if we can help them uh, do that that's that's brilliant you know we've as we as we speak now Mark Howard from the sports science he sat down talking to them about how we can help them with some of the some of the Zoom programs that we did with the players in the first part of lockdown last year which you know will will help them you know you look at Porter down that they're not full time just yet they've got aspirations to go full time but they're using they're they're going to encourage their players at seven o'clock in the morning to go into the gym and do a program before they go to work well if we do that and we can help them deliver a program that that works then the players that come into us on on trial would be fitter and stronger than than they have been previously which helps them to get to their goal which is to challenge at the top end of the, of the league and this is across all all the clubs if you know we can help Plan Dudno become more professional and get into the fails, yeah. then then that's a, 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 a an aim for us, and that they work together as much as we work with them. That they work together. So we, we've had the conversations while we've been here today that Porterdown will go down to Cove, uh, Porterdown might go across to Ware, might go across to to Porterdown. Mm-hmm. They've all one thing they've all got, Chris, is um, a, a good women's setup. Yeah. Mm-hmm you know, is, is a massive part of what we're, we're looking to do and trying to get to the WSL in time. Uh, as in addition to the, the, the 16s tournament that we've got this weekend, the plan is to invite all the women's teams from the partner clubs to, to Burnley in pre-season and have a, a similar tournament, which yeah. gives us eyes on on the, the potential, potential players within their groups, gives them some experience, brings them to a Premier League training setup, gets them involved in that. So, there's so many things um, we can do, Chris, to, to 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 work together. And, and the biggest thing is, is communication. And you know firsthand that that's something I'm massively keen on. And, and you know, it will only work if the clubs communicate and make it work. Yeah. We want to sit here and celebrate it tonight and then do nothing until we play Liverpool next season and invite them back. Well, it, it's not going to work. You know, we <laughs> have to have regular dialogue. And now we're in an age where we're all used to doing Zooms and, and Teams calls. Um, there's nothing to stop us jumping on the Zoom as a collective, going through, right, how are you getting on? What, what do you need support on? As well as what's going out there, I, I think I'll have no shortage of people wanting to go out to Cork yeah. if, if it's on expenses. Um, and, you know, and, and it's, you know, it's about that. It's about developing relationships and seeing what these clubs do well because we're not arrogant enough to sit here and say that we know it all because we don't. We, you know, we can always improve. And there might be some scheme that they're doing in, in air in the in the community scheme that we can piggyback and, and deliver in Burnley in the surrounding areas and likewise across all the partner clubs. And and beyond that, Chris, it's something we want to expand. Um, this is the start of, of our partner clubs. We, we're in discussions uh, worldwide uh, on a different type of model. Um, you know, we, we've, we, we're regular having calls and people who want to partner with us and and give us some opportunities with from be it players, be it commercial opportunities, be it um, development opportunities. And, and and this is very much the start of that. Now, the reason each club was chosen was slightly different. 
for example, Cove Ramblers stood out for Burnley because Stuart Ashton is their manager. Stuart Ashton was previously on the books at Burnley Football Club. So he seemed an obvious choice. Air United were chosen on their geography. They weren't a Glasgow or an Edinburgh club. So a chance for a new fan base to link up there and they liked what they saw. Whereas, as we know with Portadown Football Club, there's a friendship that exists between the Chief Operating Officer of Burnley and Matthew Tipton. And they've also had players successfully sent over in the past. So they trust Portadown in the judgment when it comes to talent identification. But what about that friendship? Matt Williams spoke more on it when quizzed. I've known Tippy for, for 20 years plus. Um, we, we, we are very, very good friends. He will tell you that I've named my children after his children. It's <laughs> coincidence that both my boys are called George and James. Um, he, he's expecting my third to be called um, uh, Rebecca after his wife, but that's not happening either. Um, so we've known each other a long, long time and uh, he, he as, as a player, I bumped into him, um, literally bumped into him when um, he, he played for Oldham. Uh, so we've go back as far as then and we've, we've remained very good friends since then and he often recommended players. He, he recommended Stuart Dallas to Blackpool when Stu, long before Stuart Dallas hit the lofty heights of where he is now at Leeds and, and it fell down on personal terms, which came as not, didn't come as a shock with Blackpool. Um, he, he recommended a few other players to us that have gone on uh, and, and had good careers. So, so we've had that pre-existing relationship and we've often spoke about how we could work to, together as, as, as the clubs. Uh, and since I came into Burnley, obviously we've, we've had that relationship with taking Dane and and, and the players and, and one thing or another. One good thing is that they're already identifying players for us outside of Portadown. So there are, there are a number of players that are uh, an age that we sign that they've identified and we've, we've had in on trial. And, and that, that works well moving forward. And, and I think for, for all the clubs, if they've got a pathway then for players to come across and have a Premier League experience, even if um, we, we don't sign them, uh, is, is great. And then we've obviously all got the benefit of the AI scouts um, trials. They, they might, we, we might trial some players from the AI scout uh, things that we're doing and they might not be good enough for us, but we can certainly recommend them to our partner clubs to have a look at. We've already done that with a couple of the clubs of, of players we've had on trial uh, at the back end of this season who have hit the grade for us, but we've recommended to the clubs that you take a look at them uh, and and you know Matthew Gareth, he's 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 all over that. He's, you know, he he he's not frightened of bringing um, people and and asking them to go across to Porter Down. So I think it's worked. We've had we've had our academy goalkeeping coach go across and, and do some sessions because obviously Jacob Carney's done fantastically well and he's a a, a player that would be of interest if he was available. And um, you know we 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 keep we keep we want to keep doing that. We want to send our academy staff. Out. We want to educate and develop all the coaches at these clubs, as well as educate and develop the commercial guys, the ground staff, the operation guys, etc. So, so with with Porter Down, it was a an easy one, um, and we, we've spoken to, to to the chairman and to, to a couple of the directors, and, and again, the passion that is in Porter Down for football and for Porter Down to get back to where they were, because I think they've had a, a barren few years, and Matthew's turned it round. He's, is there and is evident. And if we can help these clubs get back to where they want to be, then it's then it's gonna be a success. The score with Michael Clark. We're almost at the end of the programme, but uh, really interesting few days for Portadown fans, certainly knowing that 
uh, announcement and the excitement of what that might bring for them. The uh, opportunity now for their academy team and their women's team to meet those other clubs in pre-season friendlies. But perhaps more importantly, the opportunity for uh, a chance behind the scenes to learn from a Premier League club and try and grow and establish partnerships there have better talent identification across the British Isles and maybe uh, be able to recruit some other players that might not quite meet the standard of Burnley Football Club or at least at that stage, but now have an avenue to come to the Irish League at a very good level and play senior football. So how will that develop? Will other clubs follow that model potentially as well? That'll be one to watch. Um, we're allowing a little bit of extra time, uh, not much, mind you, so we are definitely into the final few minutes. Mark McIntosh is still with me. Even as we listen to that, Mark, phone's still red hot. Mm-hmm. Uh, this uh, It genuinely is one of the most surreal days, because this the Irish Cup final is always my favourite day of the year. It should be a real celebration. And I feel like we can't even do justice to the two clubs in the final because we still haven't got confirmation definitively as to what's happening. Yeah, we're less than six hours away from kickoff, and no one has a clue if this Irish Cup final is taking place. That's just simply not good enough from the Irish FA, as far as I'm concerned. They've been talking about this since 10 o'clock this morning. They should have been doing it much sooner than that. Um, I'm sure they spoke to their legal teams last night, at least you would hope so. Um, I just feel sorry for the players involved in all of the clubs. In all of this, um, it leaves a sorry taste. And let's be honest, the Irish Cup has been a vanity project for the Irish FA for last year and this season. This has just made it even worse. And some people within the Irish FA need to take a long, hard look at themselves. The Irish FA not here to defend themselves at the moment. They, I guess, would say not a vanity project. They don't do interviews anyway, so it wouldn't matter. (laughs) They might refute vanity project. They were certainly very pleased to get it played last year. And, um, well, looking to get it in front of a thousand people this time around. And, look, we we cannot have a situation tonight where a thousand people are outside of a football ground not knowing if they're getting in. So uh, they need to make a decision very, very soon. That's all that we can say there. Yeah, they they do. And, you know, the simple fact is we're sitting here, my phone's going with, you know, high-ranking officials of some of the clubs involved from... Irish FA high-ranking officials players of both clubs and if I'm getting those calls loads of people are getting those calls this is crazy less than six hours before kickoff. players should be thinking about their pre-match coming up soon and what are they doing? wondering if there's an Irish Cup final leaders should lead and the leaders within the Irish FA need to tell those two clubs forget the media and everyone else those two clubs need to know ASAP is there a final tonight or not nail on the head look we're out of time we are not going to talk about next week's fixtures because I mean we've just understandably focused on the the, the big story which is today's Irish Cup final which still has not got clarification whether it's going ahead the Irish Football Association in in their most recent statement which was yesterday said that they were continuing to plan as if it was going ahead and you know full steam ahead Mournview Park all the rest of it but when you've got senior officials from clubs and and players who you presume are going to be in the starting 11 from teams contacting people asking do I have a game later are we playing will we be in this match that we've dreamed of being in it does really show you where we're at at the moment I'm not saying this is an easy thing but um, it needs it needs some sort of resolution and it needs it quickly we'll have to leave it there folks Uh, Mark thank you for uh, helping me trudge through those murky waters what a 
What a complicated and, and really sorry state of affairs. I would rather just be talking about football. You'd rather be listening to football, I'm sure, wherever you are today, uh, tuning into this programme. Thank you for your company, as always. If you came in late, you missed a bit of it, you can catch up online. Our podcast will be available very, very soon indeed. The Score and I Facebook and Twitter. But uh, for now, good luck. Good luck. Good luck to everybody, because I think everybody's going to need it at this stage. Mark, thank you for your company. You're welcome. And thank you for listening. Until next time, enjoy your weekend, hopefully, of sport. Bye-bye.